last week, all of the indices, except for the NASDAQ 100, broke below support. You've been go you fell hard into August, you bounced a little bit into early September, and then now you're kind of rolling over again. The last three times the S&P 500 fell 1% in August and September, October came roaring back almost 7 or 8%. You're listening to Last Week in the Market, the podcast for self-guided independent traders. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. I'm Sean Vincent. I am the voice of Last Week in the Market. Soon we'll be joined by Adam Sarhan. He is the brains behind Last Week in the Market. Adam Sarhan is a Forbes contributor. He is the author of the FindLeadingStocks.com newsletter. He is the creator of the AMT investment strategy. That's A-M-P-D. Uh, we join here every week to talk about what happened last week in the market. This podcast is geared for independent, self-guided traders who are interested in the AMP investment strategy or, if nothing else, interested in learning a new insight uh, into the market, a new way of thinking about the markets, a new strategy to incorporate into their own so that they can become as successful as possible uh, in their own trading endeavors. Last week, we saw the steepest sell-off in the market so far this calendar year. But Adam says it's not all doom and gloom and that there's reason to be optimistic for Q4. But before we get to all of that, remember that in the market, the past does not predict the future. No results are typical and there is inherent risk when trading in the market. This podcast is for educational purposes and does not constitute financial advice. It's the week of September 28th, 2023, and here's what happened last week in the market. We saw a steep selling across the board, and all the major indices, except for the NASDAQ 100, broke down below support. It's obviously a bearish sign, but Adam will put that into context for us. For AMP traders, it means it's time to sit tight, wait for a rally, and then watch for a follow-through day. Adam will tell us what that is and why it's important. Adam will also give some insight into how he builds his watch lists when there's an absence of market leaders. So, uh, so last week we saw uh, about as steep a sell-off as I've seen this year so far. Yeah, great observation. Absolutely, the market's in a it's a it's a think of it this way, Sean. It's always constantly a game of tug of war between the bulls and the bears, mm. and. The way that you can tell who's winning is you look at the daily charts, you look at the weekly charts, and you look at the monthly and even quarterly and annually charts too. But week to week, it's a very good way of filtering out most of the noise because most days just don't matter on Wall Street. Even big down days or big up days, in the greater scheme of things, they become a blip on the radar. But at the time, if you're focused on every single tick and looking at the market every second on your phone and just refresh, 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 or on the screen... You get sucked into like a vortex and you think, oh my God, this is the biggest thing in the world. So on a weekly basis, that tends to be a good time frame for me because it filters out most of the noise and it lets you really focus on that game of tug of war and see who's got the upper hand. And it ebbs and flows. So since July, well, let's backtrack this. Let's just put this year in perspective. Back in January, the market was coming off of a very heavy sell-off. All of last year, 2022, was just a big decline in the market. The market bottomed in October of 2022. Yields on the 10-year topped out. They were going up all last year. They topped out in October, thereabouts, uh, 2022. And then the U.S. dollar was also going up a lot last year. And that stopped going up right around October, September, October of last year. And then all of a sudden, the dollar 
and yields started going down, and they were going down for most of this year. Okay, stocks started going up. So from January, February, you had a big run, and then you pause, digest the move, and then from March, really April-ish, May, you took off again, had another big leg higher in the market, and then in July, you topped out, and then you turned around and started falling. And then what happened was, since July, you've been go you fell hard into August, you bounced a little bit into early September, and then now you're kind of rolling over again. At the same time, the dollar is up 10 weeks in a row now, and the yields took out the October high. They're now at the highest level going back, I mean, real yields, when you adjust for inflation, going back to 2009. So you're seeing that macro headwind show up. That's fancy Wall Street lingo for the pressure that sent stocks lower last year reemerge again, higher dollar, higher interest rates, yields, you know, 10 years, so on and so forth. And it's starting to put pressure on the market. So last week, you know, we've identified support and resistance. Support is like a floor in the market. Resistance is a ceiling for you in, in just about all the indices. And last week, all of the indices, except for the NASDAQ 100, broke below support. And that typically is not a good sign. So you can look at the S&P 500. 43.35 was the area of support. You closed at 43.20. The uh, Russell 2000, the IWM, we spoke about that at 181 with support. You're now at 176. The mid-cap 400, the S&P 400, 466 with support. You're at 455. The Dow the Dow Jones Industrial Average, 340, you close at 339. And then the S&P, we spoke about that. So the only one that's left now that's slightly above support is the NASDAQ 100. And that support is 354 for the QQQ. And now you're at 350, just under 358. So you're, you saw a material breakdown last week on volume below support. That's a big shift. It is the, one of the biggest heavy down weeks we've seen all year. The fact that it's just a down weekend of itself, it's not the end of the world. But when you see it break below support and do it on volume and see a lot of the indices do it at the same time, that typically suggests lower prices are going to follow. However, there are some good news or there's some, some there is some good news in the market right now. First off, we're entering a seasonally strong period in the market. And October, when you have somebody online, one of my friends, Ryan from Carson, went out there and did an analysis, Sean. The last three times the, the S&P 500 fell 1% in August and September, mm -hmm. October came roaring back almost 7 or 8%. If the market goes up or down 1% or 2%, you know, that, that's a big move. When you have a huge round of 7 or 8% in October after down August and down September, and it's done it each of the last three times you've been down over 1% in August and September at the same time, October tends to be a huge rally back. So that's one. Two, seasonally, we're entering a strong period. Q4, the fourth quarter, tends to be an upward bias in the market. It's the holiday season. You've got the animal spirits. People tend to buy stocks going into the end of the year. Not always. 2018 was a bad year, Q4. And you've had some other times where Q4 isn't a strong period. But by and large, for the most part, Q4, the fourth quarter, tends to be a slight upward bias. Now, I always, always, always pay attention to price first, everything else second. But we did just break support. Most breakouts fail. Most breakdowns fail. So, Sean, I wouldn't be surprised at all 
if we see this breakdown fail and the market reverse, go higher, and then come rip roaring and surprise everybody, because most people are bearish right now, are expecting the market to go down, and the market tends to fool most people most of the time. And to see a turnaround and rally would be something that I wouldn't be surprised at all to see happen. You know, one thing I've learned watching the market with your guidance is that on any day, it seems like anything can happen, right? Yes. And yes. we've seen we've seen it getting pulled down here for a couple of weeks now, right? And if you look yep. back on our on the on the year, like just last week, it kind of not only did it take out the August September bump, but it took out July, and it took us all the way back to June. So the whole summer rally we have is, is pulled it back, and we're right there. But on Monday, it can tick back up again, right? Yes. And that wouldn't be that wouldn't be shocking. Uh, you could go down again too, and that wouldn't be shocking. But I think what amped traders are watching for right now uh, is for another rally attempt. And one thing you put in your weekend uh, report is that we're looking for a rally attempt, and then we want to see these follow through days. Like, right? Yeah. So let let the listeners know what a follow through day is and, and what that means for an amped trader looking for opportunity. Yeah. Great point, John. So. Nobody, by definition, the future is unknown, right? Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. No one knows where the market's going to be for 100% certainty where it closes at the end of the year or even where it closes tomorrow. Now, that being said, how do you navigate the unknown? Well, life in and of itself is unknown for the most part. Most people don't know what's going to happen in a year from now or five years from now, who's going to be president, so on and so forth. So dealing with uncertainty is part of our business. It's part of what we get paid to do. Now, all we can do is increase the odds of success and take the highest probability shot. So if you think of the movie or the book Moneyball, and that was a really, really just genius way of looking at sports. And for those listeners that aren't familiar, it was basically you do data analytics and get the baseball players that have the highest probability of success, put them on a team together based on their singles and doubles and, and their stats that are often overlooked by traditional baseball. The Oakland A's did that, and then bam, they became a winning team. Now, I just watched a video this morning with my kids. I like playing tennis, and they did that for tennis, and they did it for basketball. 20 years ago, back in the early 2000s, basketball players, a lot of them would take you know just jump shots, and they were two-pointers, but the ratio of success was 50%. So when they studied the analytics, they now either you take a three-pointer, or you make a layup. And all those jump shots that were being taken outside the field goal range and before the three-point range are just gone. Like you could see dots on the chart. It's really interesting on the, on, not the chart, but on the, on the way the basketball court's laid out. So the, the game of basketball's evolved because they've crunched the numbers and they realize it's a very low probability trade to take, or an idea to take that, sure. that, that, that jump shot. If you're gonna take a far shot, take a three, or just make a layup. And then you could just see the, the dot plots of where the, the players are shooting from just change. And the same is true for tennis. Djokovic just won his 24th Grand Slam. I mean, now becoming the best tennis player ever, arguably. And he did it because back in 2017, some guy said, wait a minute. If we can do this for baseball and we can do this for basketball, why can't we do it for tennis? And they did it for tennis. And then all of a sudden, this guy's Djokovic has just been unstoppable. Not just because he's talented. Of course he's talented. But it's because he's been able to reduce the low probability trades or the shots he's going to take and then greatly increase 
the high probability trades he's going to take or shots he's going to take. So instead of taking a forehand, they'll take a, you know, instead of a backhand, it's a forehand. It goes into all these details, which I'll spare the listeners on. If they want it, they can go on YouTube and find it. Right. But the, the point is they were able to do the math and say, these shots have a higher chance of being successful. Do those more. And then Correct. voila, guess what? You win more often. 100%. At the same time, the low probability shots do less of those or don't take those at all. Mm. And it totally reversed the way traditional tennis has been played or basketball because nobody crunched the data before. They were just looking at, oh, yeah, you're open, take the shot. Now it's like, no, don't take that two-pointer in basketball. Either take a three or make a layup because you have a higher probability tra- you know, chance of getting it in. Right. So with trading, it's the same exact thing. You don't want to be buying – when you're in a very, very steep downtrend because you're by definition fighting the tide or the current. You're going against the market. The M in the AMPT investment system is the market. The idea is to align yourself with the trend. Make the trend your friend is an old adage on Wall Street. And it's just like in a current. If you have a, a strong riptide or you know whatever it is, they say to swim out, and then get away from it, go right or left, and then try to come back in. But you can't, you know, go up a waterfall type of a thing. It's just not physically possible. Maybe you could swim against the tide. Maybe you find the one stock that could work. But why would you do that? The probability of success is so low. So step one is when the market's going down, you don't have to be putting on new trades and be long. It's fighting the tape. And and that doesn't make any sense. The step two is wait for a new rally attempt to get going. And what that means is the market stops going down. That's number one. And number two, it starts going up. And then all of a sudden you start counting the days of as long as that low isn't undercut. So let's say the market's going down, 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 down. It stops going down and then it starts going up a little bit. Let's say the the low that day that it stops going down is 100, just for the sake of illustrating the point. And then it goes up, closes at 104. As long as it doesn't get down below 100, every day is day one, day two, day three. You just start counting. Probability based on prior rallies, the ideal sweet spot is between day four and day seven of a new rally attempt, providing that low is not undercut, you see a big update on heavy volume. Now, that's a follow-through day. It could come as soon as day three. But ideally, it's between day four, day seven. It could come after. It could come day 15 or day 20. But the sweet spot's four to seven. Okay, what do you want to see for a follow-through day? You want to see an up day of at least one and a half percent on heavier volume than the prior session. That shows you the big institutions are in there buying. Now, that being said, Sean, most follow-through days fail in a weak environment. But every major bull market began with a follow-through day. So you just start probing. Because now all of a sudden the window opened up, maybe, just maybe, with all the seasonality stuff, we could be entering a a favorable period for the market where the yields have shot up so much and the dollar's up 10 weeks in a row, it's due to pull back a little bit. What if yields pull back for the next two, three months and the dollar pulls back at the same time and then bam, stocks take off and go. You'll get a follow through day most likely and then you'll see some leaders break out And then some more bullish evidence will show up. But what does that mean? It's a higher probability trade. Just like the jump shot, don't take a jump shot, take a three-pointer or make a layup. It's the same thing here. If you're going to start probing the long side, you want to do it when when it's a tailwind, not a headwind. Gotcha. 
And so right now you say to your subscribers to the findleadingstocks.com newsletter that defense is king. We're, we're waiting and we're watching. We're watching for this rally attempt and then a follow through day where there's uh, a big, a lot of buying on volume says the institutions are showing up, which means that we're seeing institutional support that puts market conditions more in line with uh, success for us. And then that's when you need to have had a, a watch list going for the stocks that you're interested in seeing if they're going to be leaders and break out to, to get in on those if you think that the opportunity is there. So in your weekend report, I saw you had a whole list of uh, uh, stocks that you're you're watching. You said uh, you also said that there's very little leadership out there. So how do you select your watch list when the leaders aren't obvious? A great point. So a lot of leading stocks broke down recently, which is another bearish sign. You had stocks like Celsius, CELH. You had a stock ELF, which is a um, has been one of the strongest stocks that bottomed before the market bottomed last year, and it's been on a tear since. But ELF, for the first time in almost forever, it broke down definitively before the below the 50-day moving average. It did on heavy volume. So you're starting to see leaders break down. This quarter, the third quarter, earn, you know, it started a few months ago when earnings season began. Apple broke down. Microsoft broke down. So many leaders. SMCI broke down, which was super microcomputer, one of the strongest stocks in the market this year. And so many other ones. A lot of leadership dried up. And it all started when earnings started getting reported this quarter. Now, over the last few weeks, the last few horsemen, if you will, that were leading the market like Celsius and Elf and a few other ones, they began breaking down. So think of a war. When the generals get hit, there's game over, right, type of a thing. So what we're seeing now is one after another after another, the generals are getting hit. However, the way to answer the question, you, the easiest and best way to find leading stocks, Sean, is to look at the percent change year to date. And then you sort it, it's objective, it's looking at the analytics, you're looking at the data. I did the, I've been doing this since the, the late 90s, early 2000s, before data analytics was a thing. I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. But now I, I, it's crystal clear in my mind's eye because it's so obvious. You want to sort stocks based on the percent change year to date. It tells you who the leaders are. Think of sports. We spoke about sports. You know Djokovic is number one because you can look at the leaderboard. You know the Yankees or the, the, the Marlins or whatever your team is, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Giants, the 49ers. It, you know where your team stands, right? In stocks, if I ask listeners, what's the strongest stock in the market right now? Nobody knows. And professional investors and individual investors. I've yet to meet – I've been doing this for 25-plus years. I've yet to meet one person that can honestly tell me the answer to that question. Yet – if you ask them if they think they can beat the market, they're going to say, yeah, I can beat the market. Well, how do you plan on beating the market, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, if you don't know the strongest stocks in the market? And that's where the, the fine leading stocks comes in. Every single week, I share with members the 20 strongest stocks in the market. And then I take it a step further and I break it down based on market cap. So I show them the big cap leaders and then the small and mid cap leaders. We don't deal with penny stocks. We just deal with liquid stocks, small, medium, tend to be medium stocks going to become big cap stocks and then mega cap stocks because we want liquidity. We want to find the stocks the big institutions are buying and we sort them. 
every single week. So even in a weak environment, like we're in now, you still have stocks that are up for the year. And then we say, okay, here are the strongest stocks in the market. Which one of these stocks, we filter it even further, are in a buyable range? And then you can go further into it, so on and so forth. And just because a stock is the strongest stock in the, in the market doesn't mean you go blindly buy it. There's, it's got to be digesting. It's got to be consolidating. It's got to be trading with a good, good risk to reward profile. Otherwise, you're just chasing it and odds are you're going to fail. But when you have that watch list of the leaders, even when it's in a weak environment, when you start seeing that rally, you see your follow through day, some of them are going to distinguish themselves if you know what to watch for. And then uh, the subscribers to your newsletter will know when you've decided things look viable and then they can look at the fundamentals if they want to and make their choice on uh if they want to get into those positions at that time. 100%. You know, our job, Sean, is just to help you put the cards on the table for you, give you structure, number one, help you make smarter decisions, number two. Number three, give you a chance to get out of your head. Tony Robbins has a great line. He goes, if you stay in your head, you're dead. And most people, you know, Napoleon Hill's great book, They Can Grow Rich and all these kind of like legendary things. It tells you what accurate thinking is so important. It tells you the power of a mastermind, so important, which listeners, there's an exciting mastermind coming soon um, that we're going to be announcing soon. And it gives you the, the ability to see things from someone else's point of view. And a veteran who's been doing this for 25 plus years and survived multiple bull and bear markets and is still standing like Elton John's song, I'm still standing, yeah, 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 you know, and pounding your yeah. chest like Tarzan. That's how I feel. It's like, okay, I've been doing this since the 90s. I did the dot-com boom. I did the dot-com bust. I did the 08 bust. I did the you know the boom that came afterwards, survived the COVID trading. The market doubled afterwards. And then it had the 2022 crash, survived that. Now 2020, you know, I, I get it. Like you get, you see, success leaves clues. Another Tony Robbins line. You start doing this over and over and over again, you'd be foolish not to start seeing certain patterns. So you get all that and you get the ability to hopefully narrow down your focus and look at the leading stocks in the market, hence the name findleadingstocks.com. It's to help you find and own the strongest stocks in the market. So the word is uh, defense is king and stay vigilant and watch for the rally and the follow through day and have a watch list ready to go so you can seize on opportunities when they come. 100%. And make sure you respect risk. I mean, the most important thing in this business, since the future by definition is unknown, is to make sure you respect risk. And if you haven't done so already, here's a, uh, a thing for the, uh, for the book. Go, you go to Amazon Psychological Analysis. It has my life's work. And Sean, thank you to you from the bottom of my heart. I will thank you until the, until the end of time for making this, you know, bringing this book to life. It breaks everything down. It shows you the AMP investment system. And it gives you guidelines and structure that you can use to come up with your own investment system because that's what the greatest investors in history have done. They've made their own rules. And that's the beauty of this business. You can make your own rules. You can follow what someone else says, but at the end of the day, you're the one pulling the trigger. The onus is on you to really step up and make, you know, do a really good job. All right, guys, that's the podcast for today. Thanks for listening through to the end. As Adam says, AMP traders are playing defense. They're watching for a new rally attempt and then watching for a follow-through day before they get involved in any new active positions. We'll be back with more next week. Until then, as Adam says, keep your losses small 
and let your winners fly. Now, that being said, how do you navigate the unknown? 